0: Welcome to the Nei Chuan Podcast. Uh, this is Isaac. Uh, this is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess and I uh, discuss internal martial arts and Qigong and meditation. Uh, this week we talk more about Liu Hongjie, uh, a bit about his Tai Chi, uh, also about the uh, comparison between the Wu style and the old Yang style a little bit. Uh, then we discuss the first swing uh of the energy gates set and some of the finer points on how to protect yourself while you're doing that. Also, the first half of our interview with Lee Berkins is up on the Patreon, so check that out. Okay, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome back to the Naja Trend Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're continuing our discussion of Opening the Energy Gates of Your Body by B.K. Francis that um, contains a lot of both stories about training as well as uh, the training itself and a lot of good exercises. Um, We've been working our way through the preface of the book, uh, the foreword of the book, giving the author's biography. Um, And we've reached a section called Beijing Again, The Final Lesson with Leo. So it says summer 1983 leo was in meditation retreat and unavailable when kumar arrived in beijing so it sounds like he made the trek all the way to beijing from hong kong and by the time he got there the teachers gone so there was no like you couldn't call ahead i suppose in early
0: 1980s uh china <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I, I don't I, I don't know if this is exactly but i think that's when he hooked up with the dragon like he did like the dragon and tiger stuff and like hmm. don't some of the, like uh other stuff that he did when he was in beijing
1: uh-huh So he may have tooled around to see some other connections he had yeah, yeah.
0: like uh, i think uh that's like feng zhershang right <laughs> wasn't he wasn't he in beijing, God, yeah, I was, yeah, in beijing right I think, I think that was the when leo was busy he went over and hung out with feng zhershang another letter from bai hua his teacher in hong kong
1: enabled Kumar to study the inner technology of Yang-style Tai Chi with Lin Du Ying in Fujian province. So, Fuji, uh, so Lin Du Ying is a, is a name in Tai Chi that you hear sometimes, but he's not very well known. Um, it sounds like he was uh, you know, a high-level disciple of the Yang-Ban-Ho lineage. Um, and it says here that you know Kumar had studied a bunch of different Yang-style with different teachers. Um, he had great respect for Lin Du Ying, deeming him the most exceptional practitioner of the Yang-style he had ever seen. Since Kumar had been accepted as a formal disciple, he was given the information openly. Um, so it sounds like he got a good session in with Lin Du Ying. And it's, the only time I, I, the only time I saw that uh, Lin Du Ying was that picture in the front of Bai Hua's book. His Chinese uh, language text has a picture of a younger Lin Du Ying. But as far as his biography, I, uh, I don't know much about him. I know the other book has some stuff on him.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I've ever seen. That was the what Bruce refers to the as the old Yang style, right? Mm. So he talks about you know there being the the Yang style from Yang Chengfu's like uncle and right and that stuff.
1: Do you ever see him do that for him?
0: Yeah. Huh?
1: Like show parts of it as a. Uh perhaps a uh, contrast to Wu style or in connection with Wu style somehow, which is a older version of Yang style.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw him, I'm seeing him do bits and pieces of it. Um, you know, here and there. And
1: what would you what's your impression of the differences in that maybe off the top of your head?
0: Um, it's very long, right? Like so the it's... form or the stances? Oh, the stances. Like, every everything's very extended. It's got this really extended, like, full power thing the whole time. Um, these really low stances. And, like, for example, all of the, uh, like, any time you pick up your foot, the, he, you know, picks it up almost to his waist. Mm-hmm. So if you think of, like, doing brush knee, like, every time that front foot would come off the ground, it would be, like, straight out in front of him. And then mm. you know, listen to this like extremely low stance and pre-stretched out, just kind a, of the
1: opposite of Wu Jin Chen style.
0: Externally, it's complete opposite. Internally, mm. it's almost identical. Um, in fact, I think a lot of what he teaches is that they're interchangeable in a sense. I mean, when he teaches the yang, the yang style and he teaches the Wu style, the internal part. It's the same. It's just, you know, the external frame is just a 180 in terms of, you know, one's the big and one's the small. But he always said, you know, essentially they're the the same form. It's just one's, you know, the large frame and one's the small frame.
1: Right. Because I mean those uncles were the students of Long, Yang Lu Chan. And mm-hmm.
0: Chen Wu was the student of Yang Lu Chan. <laughs> right.
1: so they're part right. of the
0: and and you know they um certainly had specialties or whatever you know like so I think that's part of it too but yeah no that was the the main impression I got of it was that it was really big and the other thing was that uh it seems to really have a lot of the um opening closing stuff in it right but that that, that expansive thing and then squeezing everything down and you know that's characteristic
1: of his musical for sure of all yeah of all his stuff all the stuff for sure although not so much opening the energy gates which is the one set that doesn't you know that's before you kind of get to opening and closing even though it's part of it obviously it's one that's one of the skills that
0: isn't yeah i mean but it's it's almost like it's it's the opening part right Mm, opening yeah you're right it's not the pulsing but it's just the getting the space so Mm. in the you know if you look at older videos of him doing energy gates the the cloud hands is much more extended
1: Mm.
0: It's like yeah. Tai Chi Cloud Hands. That comes around. Yeah, and like a large frame Tai Chi, where now it seems to have morphed into more of like the Wu style, where
1: right, oh yeah, right. It has a
0: bit more of the bending and stretching, and
1: that's how I learned it.
0: I think when you're teaching people that aren't experienced in Tai Chi or martial arts, it's the easier way to go. Get people to soften up first. So moving on to the next section here.
1: When after 9 months Leo Hongjie was finally free, Kumar joined him. Leo prescribed Wu style tai chi. This style emphasizes soft healing and meditation. It strengthens the body and clears the mind. Um so it sounds like we're, you know that that's when he got into the Wu style tai chi after he returned to to Beijing to train with Leo Hongjie on this this later trip. Right.
0: I think it was the, la- the you know last thing he really taught him was that stuff so this covers the period from 83 to 86
1: right when he's training in beijing for for a couple of years straight yeah. um that wu style tai chi now you've you've done some of that wu style tai chi how I, I i did the short form with him but i know you always have been into long form been
0: quite a what bit Yeah.
1: what would you call it? What what are your impressions of that long form i know for one thing it's really long
0: no i mean you know the the thing that i think say uh maybe Makes it a little bit different as it tends to do this longer, um, you know, compared to other woo styles, it's a bit longer. Uh, Leo had, you know, you've seen that picture of Leo doing single whip. He's like really stretched out and really low down. I mean,
1: the answers are always pretty short.
0: Yeah, it's short stances, but very long extended postures so that there's a lot of internal stretching, right? So it isn't that your feet are really far apart, but it's that everything inside of you is like, is opened up as much as it's, as you can open it up comfortably, right? Um, So that's the like sort of physical characteristic of it. And then the, the internal thing is the heavy emphasis on the opening and closing, right? And that, that the opening and closing of the joints and how that is essentially the like mechanism for creating the, the four jings, right? The Pung Lu ji and on. It takes that piece from heaven and earth and energy gates are the main components of it. Mm. If you under, you know if you are familiar that,
1: so, that. That opening and closing really strongly and then all those alignments of energy gates
0: right so it's opening closing really strongly but in a very confined way right so instead of doing an external big stretch as you open and close you might not move your arm in space at all but that opening and closing allows you to do things inside your body it's a lot of stuff with like internal pressures and how you're moving things internally and cloud hands is the basis for all of it but it goes much further than that but you know it sort of all starts with uh just that thing of being able to like use the qua and use the hips and coordinate that one part moves all parts move one part stops all parts stop that seems to be the central principle of all of the tai chi that Bruce taught
1: I mean that goes through it all for sure yeah
0: especially the tai chi because like with 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 I only really did the wusta. The as far as I know, taught the Chen Pan Ling form in Denver. So there were a few guys I met like I met like two people that you know had, had learned the whole thing. Um
1: yeah, Lee was telling us, Lee Birkins was telling us about that. He did that.
0: Right. So, uh Eric Peters I think did most of it. Lee and then I met one guy, this real tall skinny guy I met who had done the whole thing and uh, he could still, you know, he still practiced the, the, wow. whole thing. yeah. Um, and it, you know, that was, that was a dude, you know, that was, that was the Hung Shang stuff and Wong Shu Jing stuff. So Andy did the but, Yang 24, Yang style, uh, but, 24. Yeah. I don't know anyone who learned that from him. Right. Um, I'm not sure he ever taught that publicly, I think he. I mean, that was. I, I think he went sort of from Chen Ling to Wu style. I don't think there really was a period where he taught you know traditional Yang style, okay. except sort of, except sort of by request, people because you know people already knew it. So more, way more people are familiar with the Yang style. So it's it's, I, you just get a bigger group if you teach that stuff. Sure. And then recently, you know, he's sort of resurrected the. Uh, old Yang, as he put it, and did a short form based on that. Mm. Uh, but I think he, you know, made it a little bit less grueling than the original form may have been. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Right. So
1: that's uh, that covers that little section. And the next, they get into uh, learning meditation in Beijing twice a day in two or three hour sessions. So two or three hours a day, twice a day. That sounds really speaking of grueling.
0: Yeah, that's like six oh, hours a day right there. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: that's four to six hours a day. Uh, that's, a,
0: that's a hell of a, you know, if you just four, did that yeah. and nothing else, that would be a, quite a bit of training.
1: Yeah, that was gnarly. That that sounds like uh, incredibly demanding.
0: Yeah, I mean, meditation is not no joke. Right. I mean, I think that was, that was the, the, both of their sort of shared interest was the meditation part of it. I think, and So they kind of focus on that. I think Leo also knew that Bruce needed to work on certain aspects. And so that was the way to do it Uh, because he already knew how to fight and he already knew, you know, like how the body mechanics of it worked. So it was like, well, here's the next piece of it.
1: Mm. Um, It's kind of a natural progression of martial arts to meditation in this internal group, you know, internal martial arts group. Yeah, and it's and
0: it was I think Leo's kind of specialty. I mean.
1: He had a a meditation method that he had spent his lifetime cultivating. So he had this really special system. I mean, even when you look back at some of the other masters we profiled, you take Zhang Jinfeng of of Taiwan. He was a meditation practitioner, but Wang Xujin also in southern Taiwan. He's a meditation practitioner. Even Ueshiba and Aikido was way into you know meditative practices. It just seems yeah. like. The more internal martial arts you do there's often a stream of people who will take it in their older years towards meditation you know
0: exactly and i think you know the way he put it to me was you know he had learned meditation he had learned martial arts and he, he had learned healing but all in separate systems if you will mm. and he said what leo just taught him was how to put that all and you know how it all connected and how to put it all into one sort of cohesive unit
1: yeah and kumar will sometimes talk about spiritual martial arts as i think that's what that's getting at there's this type of martial arts where they add the spirituality healing other stuff overtly into it making it a even more complicated process but more satisfying in a way because it doesn't end with just martial art
0: yeah i mean i would say in some ways it's sort of a um how would you put it? It, it, it you're combining them right so instead of having a sitting practice and a martial practice you do them at the same time mm-hmm. like, or at least you're doing things that are continuous through both right so like for example dissolving is something you learn in Qigong but you do it in martial arts and you do it in meditation right uh, you know so it's a, it's a it's a common technique if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, That
1: helps all three. If you ask me.
0: Yeah. Same with like opening and closing. I mean, even though like, for example, if you're doing a sitting meditation, you're not going to be opening and closing that much, but if you can, you know, keep the vertebrae in your spine supple and keep the pumping going in your leg joints, you can sit for longer, you know? So it's, it's just a, a question of, you know, um, having you comfort in your body. Right. And then, you, you know, if you're doing martial arts, it's about sort of clarity of mind or, you know, something like that sort of stuff. Moving on to
1: the next section of the book, we're still working our way through chapter six, cloud hands, spiraling the upper body. Now, the fourth exercise here is called sink one side to raise the other. The next technique establishes a simple pumping action in the body so that the energy rises up one side of the body and drops down the other. So this is the one where you stand with your arms at your side and you shift one way and the, and one of your palms sort of rises up. Then you shift to the other side and that palm rises up. So you're not twisting your waist. You're not doing anything, yeah. you know, that uh, mechanical. It's just side to side, pump up and then pump
0: down kind of is how I think of it. It's a uh, Bruce always has described it as an elevator, right? One, one side goes up, one side goes down and that like, there's a the down causes the up was the phrase he would use a lot of the time so that as you shift to your right leg and your right hand comes down, right? That downward pressure causes the left one to come up. So you're sort of reversing the natural tendency, which is to always to generally focus on the hand that's coming up and Mm. About the one that's going down, and so it it becomes this sense of this downward hand, downward flow, being the more sort of dominant piece of it, you know.
1: And I'd throw in that like sometimes my strongest feeling is like it's almost like the whole half of my body sinking, getting heavier into the ground, while the other half of my body is rising up. Both the low, you know, there's like a physical gravity, you know, feeling of heaviness in one side and a feeling of lightness on the other. You're dividing your body in half. Exactly. And, you know, down the middle
0: there's no there's no crossing of the left and right mm. sides right like as like,
1: he puts it here in the book as you practice this pulley action it is imperative that the sinking hand cause the other hand to rise not the other way around yeah. so the pressing down is like squishing the toothpaste up the other side kind of
0: i mean this is the principle of, of pong essentially the, the idea that Uh, The metaphor is always the sense that you push the ball down into the bucket of water, right? That all you have to do is let go and it comes back up, right? So that it's the downward force, the the, the pressing down, that causes that upward spring, right? And if you Mm -hmm. get that downward force, you don't have to, quote unquote, do anything to get the other hand to come up. And it says here that you'll uh, shift one hundred
1: percent from one side to the other. So that's part of that heaviness physically. You've got one hundred percent of your weight on one side, so it's it's pressing into the ground harder on that side, which creates that downward sinking, even physically and energetically together, kind of.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of those things that's uh, gradual. You know, most hmm. people initially putting all of their weight on one leg is more than you know if they can handle um yeah so you do it like 70 30 or something for a while and then work your way over to um getting all your weight on one foot but yes ideally the 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 timing of it is that when your hand finishes the drop you are all the way weighted on one foot right and so that there's this Again, the, the phrase is one part moves, all parts move. One part stops, all parts stop, right? That, uh, f- you know, as soon as either one, your foot, your hand, your waist, any part of your body stops having a ability to move in a certain way, everything stops, right? So you don't push things to catch up to the strong stuff. You keep the strong stuff, you know, sort of, dialed back to the weaker stuff yeah that's you know,
1: not it's kind of counterintuitive a little it's bit
0: very counterintuitive i mean it, and essentially because you know it's all just going back to that 70 percent thing of you know don't push yourself but it, this is giving you a mechanism for sort of um reinforcing the if you will the yin side of it right the the, the side that's yeah. coming in and down Rather than always focusing on the up, the pushing, yeah. out, right? Because hands you know, up in the air. Yeah. And I mean, it's, and essentially, you know, the way to think about it is very few people have a hard time bringing energy up and out, right? Like, you know, yeah. that that's easy to just, all you got to do is like get excited mm-hmm. or angry or, you know, bring up some sort of like, um, yang emotion right and then you can your body can stretch out and you can mm. feel, you can feel sort of a high. i mean that's why people do things where you, if you stretch a lot or use your muscles a lot you feel a quote-unquote high right that high is because you're you know you're you're taking things to that sort of extreme where um energy's rising that, right. that feeling of you know rising into your head that feels good well, and- and the high that comes from it is when that thing rises up to a certain point, it sort of it releases, right? Um, and the way energy gates works is it's the opposite. You're not trying to go up as far as you can and out as far as you can. You're going in and down as much as you can. So what it what it what it's trying to get at is this idea of um, If you press down into the earth, it will push back up. So if you go down, it will come back up. But if you just go up your energy, your intent, there's nothing stopping it. So it will just keep going up. So it's, it's like bouncing a basketball, right? You're getting used to this sense of, if I want, if I want something to go up, there's an equal and opposite down, right? Yeah, to keep keep me rooted to keep me stable right so the even though the the forward hand might be you know the, the up might be the more uh let's call it exciting hand right the downward hand is the more you know that's what that's what's creating the stability for everything else to happen so it's you know it's it's like a It's a paradigm shift because, you know, if you think about most things, like, you know, if you just take boxing or punching something, right, the focus is on the front hand and the backhand is just kind of there as a defensive mechanism. This essentially would be the idea of grabbing somebody's, you know, arm and pulling them into your fist, right? That you're, you know, it's the pull, it's the pulling motion that's creating the force, not the pushing motion. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so yeah, it's that it's that counterintuitive sense that the yin is creating the yang. That downward energy allows this effortless rising to come up the other side. Right, and potential to cloud hands.
0: Right, and that's that's a recurring theme in energy gates because you have like, for example, with the dissolving, mm-hmm. the downward thing, and now you're sort of doing a physical motion that's also focused on a downward thing so it's, it's like carrying the downward
1: flow is kind of the theme of energy gate
0: set one could say it's the theme of water which is right so energy gates is the water element qigong and what does water do water sinks and water soaks into stuff right mm-hmm. so it, it it's the, you know so if you think about the standing practice the sinking right that's that's the sense of just your mind being able to move down through your body and then there's the sort of absorption or soaking into it which is that's the ability to actually go into you know to go inside not and and feel stuff other than just the surface you know and so that like i said it's just a recurring thing and so now you're getting into a a physical thing that carries up you know carries on that thing so now we move on to the fifth exercise,
1: spinning silk with the arms and legs. So this is, he calls this Chan Su Jin, spiral energy that gives natural power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So this is the beginning of the discussion of spiraling. Natural joint movement and energy flow in human beings moves in spirals, similar to the structure of the DNA helix. You know, you can move in a forward way, but if you have this, this sort of additional twist to it, it becomes spiraling or twisting silk in Tai Chi. In Xingyi and Bagua, this idea is called luo Jin, or drilling or twisting strength, which is taken from the action of drilling a screw into the wall. The names are different, but the function of the same. So that's that's at at its most basic physical movement. Twisting is your palm turning over from down to up as your arm extends.
0: So if you turn your forearm, right? Okay, yeah. Because that's really more... Because your hand can do lots of things, right? Your forearm really can only twist one way or the other. This is sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but there's turning and there's twisting, right? And then there's spiraling. So just to first get a sense of if you just turn your forearm over, right, your hand flips over. But it doesn't go anywhere. Your hand stays in the same place that's stationary that's twisting no that's turning oh that's turning okay twisting is now you're gonna extend your shoulder a little bit as you turn your hand over so your hand actually physically goes forward slightly but everything in your arm is turning in the same direction okay like so your forearm and your upper arm and your hand and your shoulder are all turning in the same direction right so you've got this extension and everything turns over right and then a spiral is that same twist in your forearm same extension but your upper arm goes in the opposite direction right well you you know that the essentially you you now have an, an articulating thing where one part of your arm is going one way and another part's going another way and this can sort of continue through your body, essentially, at every large joint, it changes direction, right? So your your elbow is one, your shoulders, another, your hip is another Your you know, and you can, and uh, full disclaimer, don't do this without, you know, somebody showing you how to do it first, because you'll probably hurt yourself. Um, <laughs> but but that's the sequence, right? So you you get no, this- I
1: sometimes saw that the counter twisting that right. you use to create spiraling, right. where different aspects of the arm are twisting one way or the other, and they sort of counter each other to create this very yeah. strong, organic, but squishy chain of musculature that's very right.
0: strong. And so one way to think of it is, you can take my hand, right? And I can stick it out with no you know, turning over, right? So that's a stretch, right? You can turn it over without stretching, Right, and if you combine the stretching and the turning over, that gives you a twist. And if you turn one part of your arm one way and one part another way, that gives you a spiral. Right? And that's that's like the simplest way to to, to uh, conceptualize that. Like, so I, I
1: think in the what you're saying is like the book itself is mostly talking about twisting. But he yes. calls it spiraling in the sense that this is the beginning of that type of spiraling movement that you're going to work on. Eventually in cloud hands, your spiral is going to get more and more sophisticated. This exercise merely teaches you to lift your arm, turn the palm over as it extends, and then turn the palm down as you press down to the ground. So that's that's the most, you know, the simplest form of spiraling you can possibly do. Uh, a light spiral, if you will, right? Yeah. Um. And I think the one thing that stands out here is that he says – he says here that you, uh, as in all Taoist body practices, the spiraling of the arm begins at the space between the spine and the shoulder blade, continues through the shoulder, upper arm, elbow, and forearm, and completes in the fingers.
0: Right. So that's that's this sort of wave that moves through your arm as it extends, right? An internal stretch and an external stretch f- from somebody watching you do the movement don't look that different, right? You can do cloud hands as an external stretching motion. Most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But what this is getting into is this idea that you have things inside your body that can stretch, right? And so this twisting motion is starting to stretch things on a horizontal plane, right? Mostly at this point in your arm and in your shoulder, but it's just getting you used to like, Twisting motions as opposed to just sort of reaching straight out, right?
1: Mm -hmm. That twisting and spiraling gives you a sort of structural strength so that you're you don't overextend and and damage a joint because you've got sort of a pretty strong bridge without without tension.
0: Yeah, and it transfers pressure. I mean it like it literally takes pressure away from your joint or around your joints, right? So if you think about you know putting your arm, you know, arm straight out in front of you and trying to like stop something. If you have your joints locked and your and everything stretched out completely, you've gotten no, you've got nothing to absorb the shock, right? So this twisting action and this, this opening from the shoulder is essentially creating a, a shock absorber to take pressure from the arms to the spine and from the spine back to the arms.
1: And this is a big deal because this is what you do in Tai Chi, Xing Yi, Bagua. Even if you're gonna do massage on somebody, you need to make all these same connections to make the most efficient motions to create power in your body without clenching it up and tightening it up and and crunching down on it. Yeah, so, even, I mean, it spends a lot of time on this this small thing, but it, well, it even if you,
0: you know, even if you don't want to do any of those things and you just work at a computer all day, this is at least have a sense of being able to, you know, like move your shoulder blades and loosen up your your, your shoulders and your neck. Right. You can do this sort of arm twisting, stretching thing for five minutes and you can. I mean, really-
1: isn't it all so much easier when you can just grab a hold of somebody and twist them and show them how to do this like on the spot, you know, all these explanations verbally. Well, it's yeah. like. I just want to grab the arm and do it on that arm, and then it all just makes a lot more sense when somebody's twist. I know when you did that for me, it like all sort of came together. Like, absolutely,
0: oh, it's a physical action I can do. Right. I mean, a that, mental activity. You know. You know that's where you can only go so far with uh, either verbal or even just visual stuff. You know that that on um, on some level if you don't ever feel it on someone else or have someone else do it to you it's extremely difficult to uh make some of these connections right so just taking this you know this piece about extending from the shoulder blade right most people when they first do that what they're doing is they're extending from the sort of the the AC joint, right? There's, there's sort of the joint at the tip of the shoulders uh, and not actually getting the space between the spine and the shoulder blade to move. Because if you're looking at it from the front, it looks the same, right? You can move, you can str- sort of push your collarbone forward a little bit and that will that will make your arm stretch out. But that doesn't necessarily do anything to open and close the space between you. <clears throat> shoulder blade. Whereas if you take have someone put their hand on your shoulder blade and physically move it forward, you get the sense of how w- <clears throat> when your shoulder blade moves, your whole arm goes, right? So what Energy Gates does primarily is from the the tip of the shoulder to the wrist, doesn't really do much the shoulder blade does most of the forward and back and then you just do the twisting with the arm so from the wrist to the shoulder just turns over right and so you've got the forward motion from the shoulder blade you've got the up and down motion from the the arm but the there's not a whole lot of bending in the elbow or or anything like that it's it's very you know, it's, it's these two dimensions, right? You've got forward and back and you've got up and down and your shoulder does most of the movement. And that's, you know, that sounds really easy, but it is a, uh, to use Bruce's term, absolute mindfuck in the beginning to try to get your intent, your awareness to start from your shoulder and to move forward, right? Rather than to sort of take your hand and throw that out into space. Right
1: shove your hand at something instead of you know starting from the shoulder and working your way out that has to become programmed over time you got to set those pathways through training
0: before it becomes natural first you make the path mentally then you do the physical action and then at some point the physical action and the mental intent merge and -hmm. you don't have to really think about it anymore it when you move your arm your shoulder goes with it you know right it does take a period of time to like make that link that's what that's the whole practice of energy gates though is essentially is to link all of these different parts to your spine all right well it's been great talking to you all right then in a couple of weeks talk to you soon bye